Hello and welcome to the Derm Club podcast, the show where we dive deep into the world of dermatology, skincare, and biotech. For those who are new, I'm your host, Dr. Hannah Kobelman. Today, I have the honor of having a distinguished guest joining us, very special, Dr. Fleming Ornskov, the CEO of Galderma, the world's leading dermatology company. Under his leadership, Galderma has had exponential growth and has nearly doubled its R&D investments. Galderma operates in three particular areas of great interest to dermatologists and patients, therapeutics, over-the-counter skincare, and injectable aesthetics. With products sold in over 100 countries, they have their finger on the pulse of global skincare needs, making them uniquely positioned in the dermatology landscape. Dr. Ornskov, welcome to the show. I am thrilled and honored to have you as a guest and to learn about the incredible work that Galderma is doing. Oh, um, thank you very much for your kind words and uh, thanks for having me on your podcast. First and foremost, Dr. Arnskov, as the CEO, what excites you most about the future of dermatology? So um, I had the opportunity to um, work with the owners at looking at the business when it became for sale. It was part of Nestle. So uh, I started as CEO uh, in October 2019, but before that, I spent a significant amount of time traveling the world to understand specifically Galderma, but also understand um, dermatology. I'm a physician by training, so I did know a little bit about it, um, but uh, my area was pediatrics. So of course we also touched on um, dermatology in that sense. But the more I got to know about the business, the more I got to know about the specialty, the more I got to know about Galderma, the more excited I became. And that's why I said yes to take this um, really fantastic opportunity. And together with a really great team, we are building um, the world's uh, most important, the most significant, and hopefully also the leading in all aspects dermatology company. Um, and yes, we have multiple businesses and we have a clear purpose. We want to advance dermatology for every skin story. And the way we want to do that is through innovation, maybe not surprising when you're a physician. And we built a very integrated, fast-growing platform that, as you stated in your introduction, spans multiple very exciting, fast-growing parts of dermatology. Well, you obviously came in at a very exciting time, and the work you're doing is unbelievable. I follow Galderma along the way, and I just am amazed by what's in their pipeline. So when you think about Galderma, what are the main synergies that exist between, you know, the various business lines and aesthetics, the non-prescription skincare lines, and the therapeutics and dermatology? These are all different areas. So how do you kind of bunch these together? Yeah, I think the most important, and you learn that uh, when you travel the world, and as I did uh, starting in 2019, talking to a lot of dermatologists or other professionals working in this space, it's for them, the first thing almost out of all of them, um, when they talk about Galderma is, oh, you've been around for a long time. You're dedicated to this space. We really are pleased with that because there were other players that have left the space. And I'm, of course, uh, building on 
what uh, predecessors and other teams before me have mm -hmm. done. But I think um, what I see is that uh, focusing on the dermatologist or healthcare professionals that work in this space, providing them with um, superior services, truly innovative product, have a broad portfolio servicing their needs so they can serve the needs of the customers and patients that they serve. And what I see is there's much more cross-fertilization, much more cross-selling than I'd ever seen. When I watch how many samples we hand out, 220,000 samples in the US mm -hmm. alone last year, handed out to uh, practitioners in this space. So we touch a lot of offices, a lot of customers. And when I look at the product range we have, there's a lot of overlap, um, there's a lot of synergies, and the more this space is getting digitalized, which and the more e-commerce there is, the more you blatantly in front of you see all of the integration. And I think what I've seen is by creating an integrated innovation system, we can develop prescription products, we can develop consumer type of products, we can develop OTC products, and we can develop aesthetic products because a lot of the similarities what the product should be able to do, how you develop the product, the texture of the product, the mechanism, all of that, whether we talk about itch, whether we talk about a moisturizer, whether we talk about atopic dermatitis, there's a lot of synergies. And of course, if we take an area like acne, which you know affects most of us, I have teenagers at home, so I see it every single day. That's, you know, I'm really proud that we have a broad portfolio to serve the needs of the many, many people teenagers, young adults that suffer from acne. Yeah, so clearly you have a very diversified approach and you're treating all ages, different conditions. How do you think that gives Galderma a competitive edge? Well, I've had the pleasure to lead companies. The one I led before this became the world leader in rare diseases, uh, Again, I think a pretty good fit with someone that worked in pediatrics. So we woke up in the morning and we went to bed in the evening and we only had one thought to develop products for uh, mostly kids with devastating, uh, you know, typically genetically, um, uh, you know, diseases of, uh, you know, being rare. And here I see what we're focusing on here. We wake up in the morning and go to bed focusing on dermatology, on skin. What does that do? It focuses the company, it makes us unique, it uh, drives innovation. Everybody is thinking all the time about the same customers, how to expand the product range, what are we hearing back, how can we serve not only the customers, but also the consumers and the patients in the best way. So lots of cross-selling, lots of opportunities. So I think for me, that um, gives us a competitive advantage. We don't really have a clear-cut competitor of size in our space. And I think we have a unique uh, strategy. We're focusing on servicing the needs of dermatologists and the customers and, and patients they serve. We are mostly in the premium segments. We cover, as you said, a hundred plus countries in terms of where our products are available. And we drive the synergies also on the science side. And you think you'll see that with some of our portfolio products, both already on the market and some of the very exciting things we have in the pipeline. So I hear so much dedication and passion in your voice. It's very exciting for me. Given the global reach of Galderma, how do you tailor your products or services to meet the unique dermatological needs of different populations, especially in regions like um, Asia Pacific, where the demand for skincare products is growing exponentially, and there's now you know Korean skincare lines and sunscreens. 
How do you fit into that? I don't know how many offices I have had the pleasure of being able to open or being invited as a guest when they have opened the offices. When I started, we were basically focused on around nine countries, nine sizable countries, uh, ranging from US, Brazil, many in Germany. We were not really big in Asia Pacific. We were not big in other places in Latin America. And what I see now is we almost uh, quarterly open new offices. We enter into new markets. So today, we span the globe. And if I look at our growth, a lot of our growth is coming out of these new areas for us, which is Asia Pacific, uh, Japan, areas outside Brazil in Latin America, Eastern Europe. And what is really exciting for me is that we take our portfolio, we work on getting the registrations or getting access. Many times we have to buy out the distributors. So our products become available around the globe because we live in a global world. The digitalization, the customers in Korea and the customers in the US and the customer in Europe, they know our products. They can watch them online. So being in all these markets, being available, both retail, e-commerce, to understand what the customers want and also sometimes adapt our products a bit to special needs in special parts of the of the world. And today, most of our growth, not all of our growth, because we still grow very fast in US and in Europe, but a lot of our growth is coming out of Asia Pacific, out of Latin America. And I think that's super exciting because we want to build a truly global platform where we service customers with dermatological needs around the globe, not only online, but actually in the countries. So, you know, I hear some buzz that you're working on something very exciting called Nemolizumab, which is a first-in-class investigational uh, monoclonal antibody targeted against IL-31. So this is a biologic that seems to be doing something very special and new for Galderma. Is there a reason that Galderma hasn't ventured much deeper into the biologic space, given their very diverse pipeline as of yet? Well, I think the first thing to keep in mind is that um, Galderma historically was more in uh, the consumer parts of the business and in the small molecule part of the business, whether it was in our therapeutic dermatology part or in our dermatological skincare part. And of course, um, in the biological part, we uh, went into aesthetics with neuromodulators. So we had some experience, but to get into the biologic space in the uh, therapeutic dermatology took a very big investment we had to hire a lot of people with expertise in that area. And there's a lot of things I'm proud of. But if I think where we've taken uh, nemolizumab, which is an interleukin-31, um, it attacks that pathway. What we've done um, in terms of getting publications in major uh, you know, journals like New England Journal of Medicine, if I look at you know, how both phase two and now phase three has progressed extremely well, the results we have both, we have two indications that we are very advanced with and a third that is a little bit behind. So the two major ones is Perugulonodularis, it's about a billion uh, market. And then it's atopic dermatitis, about an $18 billion market. Um, and both of them have significant unmet need. We think that um, nemolizumab with attacking the cascade of IL-31 is uniquely positioned um, because it's 
uh, upstream and it has a lot of effects on not only skin lesions, beneficial effects on the itch, but as you can see from our clinical trials, it also impacts uh, not only well-being, but also people's ability to sleep. So we think it's really exciting. We are completing phase three and we'll soon be um, uh, going to the regulatory pathways to get it approved. And if you look at the product and not only what we think it's differentiated because it's um, not the only one, but it's most advanced IL-31 based uh, medication. If I look at the fact that the FDA in 2019 gave us a breakthrough designation, therapy designation for periglinolaris, and it was reconfirmed in 2023 when there were actually another product on the market or close to it being on the market. I think people see that as a truly differentiated molecule that has a lot of benefits, whether it's with skin lesions, whether it's with itch, where it has a very strong impact, or it's overall on people's well-being, like their ability to sleep. Yeah, you know, I have to just tell you about this one patient that I had who had parigonodularis, and it was so debilitating, he couldn't work. He he would just be itching at work all the time, and we tried every single medication possible, and nothing really worked. He ended up having to go on disability. His, you know, lifestyle was totally impaired, so... I'm personally excited about this drug, um, and I think it will make a big impact on some many patients' lives. So now I want to switch gears a little and go a little further into research and development. Could you elaborate more on Galderma's innovation pipeline? Um, as you mentioned, we talked a little bit just now about the breakthrough treatments for conditions like atopic dermatitis and parigonodularis. Um are there any other exciting drugs in the pipeline that you could share with us today? Well, if I look at the actual um, expenditure we've had on R&D, that has multifold since we started in 2019. We had a small team in 2019, very dedicated with great expertise, mostly in areas um, outside biologics. Um, and we had never developed our own or Neuromodulator, we had just uh, licensed in nemolizumab at that time. So we had to build that expertise. Um, so for nemolizumab, we just talked about, I think the team has done a phenomenal job. During COVID, all of this, keeping the clinical trials going and basically with minor delays, now entering the phase where we could soon submit for regulatory approval around uh, the world. And I think the data, which are well published also recently, at EATV that you will see, you know, that the team has done a really good job. Many of them are new, they have expertise, they've developed other products in that area. So that was one big challenge we took on. We also decided to take on, one could say maybe an even bigger challenge, which is more or less from scratch to develop a new neuromodulator. It's uh, a, a real botulinum toxin A, it's called QM1114. Um, where we basically from scratch developed uh, a new neuromodulator that um, we think have a lot of benefits in addition to being fully liquidized, but also in terms of its uh, therapeutic and uh, in terms of its profile. And again, here, there we did not only have to do all the clinical trials, we had to develop it from scratch and we had to develop our own manufacturing site, all which took a lot of investment, a lot of expertise. I'm really, uh, with those two biologic agents being very advanced. And, you know, I think we've really proven we can do that. 
But it was also very important for me that we continue to drive innovation in areas like acne. So we've launched a number of new products at Cleave. Uh, we have other products. We've looked at combination agents. Um, we recently in the UK launched a patch, which is another area of interest in acne growing very fast. And we uh, acquired a company called Elastin Skincare in 2022 because we saw that segment, um, you know, basically physician prescribed or, you know, um, products that are adjuvants to many aesthetics um, uh, interventions. We saw that as a very fast growing area that supplemented our aesthetics business, but also was a good link to our consumer business. So all of this makes, makes me feel that we have increased our investment. We have become much more skilled in developing biologics. I think we've been fairly successful and we continue to look for new areas and new innovations. And if I take a product like um, Cetaphil, we've had multiple new ranges coming out and new SKUs for that. So we innovate around all of our businesses. So, you know, you mentioned acne and I understand that is one of your main focuses. There's to me, there seems to be a good amount of overlap in your products. What is the strategy behind this? So and as you it, know, yeah, please. Is it related to expiring patents? I, I just see a lot of overlap in the drugs that are being used, whether it's benzoyl peroxide. So I was just curious. Well, um, having worked in this field also in pediatrics and also having kids at home that, uh, have um, acne. I think that uh, you know there are multiple modalities uh, given the manifestation, the severity. There is significant unmet need still with scarring. So I think having the number one portfolio in the world being available in so many countries as we are, whether it's with different, if you do if you do a forte, a cleave, twinio. Yeah, for some people, they may take the cynical view and say there's some overlap. Maybe this is, uh, you know, why is it not just one product? But I think we see that um, there's different regimens, there's different needs, there's different degrees of severity. And for us, it's having the broadest possible portfolio because untreated or suboptimally treated, I think we all notice that, uh, you know, some of the devastating scarring that can happen. So we want to be at the forefront on continuing to develop, whether it's single agent or multi-agent combination products, that basically we have the broadest portfolio. And a lot of people have stopped innovating in this area, and we continue to bring out new stuff and innovate. And I think I mentioned to you as well, we know that uh, some patients, particularly teenagers, also likes patches. So we just rolled out a patch uh, in the UK and plan to expand that beyond the UK. So I think we are really proud of being number one, the one with most brands, whether they require prescription or they are OTC, because it's still an area that affects most teenagers and many, many young adults. There's significant unmet need, and it is something that we need to be dedicated to. It's 80% of adolescents and, and young adults. And if it's left untreated or suboptimally treated, we know that there are meaningful side effects or scarring uh, that can happen. Of course. I mean, acne is, people think it only affects young people and 
children or adolescents, but it goes, I have patients come into the office who are in their forties, fifties, and they're saying, I'm getting acne for the first time. What do I do? I've never had acne in my life. So it really is a wide variety of patients who come in with acne and it affects their self-esteem and confidence. So I'm all for more acne drugs. Um, I want to go back a little bit to the aesthetic a uh, new module, uh, neuromodulator that has come out. Well, that's in the works in phase three. Yeah. Um, given the crowded market of aesthetics, do you see room for this new toxin? And if it receives approval, what impact do you see foresee it having on your own product and the aesthetic space in general? Well, if I look at our portfolio, the neuromodulator segment is one of our fastest uh, growing segments. Um, so there's significant unmet need. Um, there's also markets we're not in today uh, where we either don't have the rights or haven't entered the market or have distributors. Um, so we have significant opportunity uh, around the globe. Um, and we already today have multiple uh, products. Uh, we have, for instance, in Europe, in many countries, we have both um, a powder form of a neuromodulator Disport or Acelor, and we also have uh, that these are the same name for the same product. And we also have a liquidized form um, of Acelor called Illusion. So we see that different um, uh, customers and uh, different doctors like uh, different modalities. So coming out with what we think is a really innovative, new, fully liquidized uh, neuromodulator that is different than anything else on the market. Um, because if you look at onset and duration, and of the convenience, there are still significant unmet needs. Um, it's a fast-growing segment. So I think um, if approved, that this will have a very important uh, role to play in this very fast-growing segment of uh, toxin or neuromodulators in um, aesthetics. And for us, it's very important. We have Restylane, we have Sculpture, which is... Uh, one of a collagen stimulating product, one of our fastest growing. Um, and what we see is that, of course, there are different needs for different uh, consumers or patients and doctors. And we just want to have the broadest possible injectable portfolio of high quality differentiated products. Do you believe this pre-prepared botulinum toxin um, will decrease the variability in results that people get? You know, sometimes people have their botox, their disport wears off after maybe three months, sometimes it lasts longer. Do you believe that pre-mixing it is going to kind of keep it more standardized to how long it will last? Well, so in the clinical trials, what we have seen is, um, of course, that uh, the convenience and the ease of use is very attractive uh, to um, the physicians and healthcare practitioners that were exposed to the product uh, in the uh, in the clinical trials. Um, and as I said, I think both in terms of consistency, uh, not uh, you know having any challenges in which dose to apply, and also you know the easy way to understand which uh, way to apply and which dose to apply. And as I mentioned, onset and duration are still significant uh, unmet needs. Um, but, you know, as we have seen with other neuromodulators being launched recently, it all comes down, of course, to the clinical data. But what is the real world experience that the practitioners will have um, and what are the outcomes that the consumers are getting when they get injected? 
And what prevents competitors like Botox from adopting a similar packaging approach? So, um, well, it's a different um, formulation. So they would have to do a lot of research. Um, mm -hmm. As I mentioned, we have developed this from scratch. Um, it's totally unique. It's a unique uh, botulinum toxin A, it's a different strain. Um, and it has, you know, a unique uh, manufacturing uh, ways. Um, and so I think overall, it's a totally differentiated, you know, I cannot comment on what other people will do, but I think uh, the feedback and as the results all become available to people, I think you will see this is a differentiated uh, neuromodulator that at least addresses some of the unmet needs that are in the marketplace on top of the convenience of don't having to reconstitute. Well, I'll be staying tuned to see what happens. And I'm, I'm excited because I, I expect good things. Um, now, let's just switch gears a little bit and talk a, about technology and compliance. What impact do you see AI having on your business? What steps do you, are you currently taking to integrate AI into your operations? Well, as we mentioned about research and development, you know, the, the key thing is to be thorough, to uh, be innovative, um, to uh, focus on fewer things and do them extremely well. And I think if you go back to our conversations about uh, Nemolizumab and about uh, QM1114, I think we've been very thorough, very comprehensive. Both of them have some of the largest program. And I think with Nemolizumab, both in perigolinularis and in uh, atopic dermatitis, we have some of the largest programs ever. Um, and so we want to be very thorough to do it the right way and uh, ideally come out with really differentiated results. And we took the same approach to applying artificial um, intelligence to this uh, space. So working um, with uh, an, a company based in Switzerland, we developed something called Face by Galderma, which is truly innovative. It allows aesthetic professionals and patients basically to see um, before they get treated what the after uh, picture would be. So the after before, so to speak, and the feedback has been, wow, uh, you know, uh, I go before I see basically the the after effect. And I think that is really something that has been, uh, I don't want to use the word revolutionary, but it's certainly given um, a lot of buzz among practitioners that you basically have a view into what it could look like once you uh, get your treatment. So um, I think more of those tools will be available. I think we're the first ones. We've also for Cetaphil, we have an AI skin analysis tool that also give a personalized report that also uses um, AI elements, of course, in manufacturing and decision-making in the company and other aspects. Um, this is something we will look at. So it is part of our strategy. But for me, Face by Galderma is a good example. We did a lot of testing. We were very thorough. We worked with a company that developed the technology. We incorporated it into our commercial strategy. We did a lot of testing. We rolled it out in certain countries. So again, the same principle we apply when we do clinical trials, be thorough, test it, get the feedback, adapt, and then make sure that when it gets rolled out to physicians and patients, um, they really say, wow, this is really something innovative. Well, it sounds revolutionary to me. Uh and finally, what are the top challenges in the skincare industry that you see that needs more attention 
And how has Galderma positioned itself to address these? Yeah, I know in many ways, uh, 2019 feels like a long time ago, but uh, to me, it almost uh, feels like yesterday. I think we just got started. Uh, we uh, we had, a like anyone else, we had to adapt with COVID and, and other things uh, and, you know, the economic crisis. So there's like, you know, many things have happened along the way, but the most important, what we have been able to control which have been to build um, the world's leading platform in dermatology and to be a leading player in this field, I think we made really good progress. I'm not going to say that we can declare victory, but I feel really good about the progress we've made. But I still see so much more that we can do. You said, well, you've just uh, started with two biologics, uh, which I think are really intriguing biologics and will be very significant commercial successes. I'm absolutely sure of that. But we have many other things in the pipeline and we have many other things that we want to drive through innovation. So building the great platform, there's a few more countries we would like to get into, building our portfolio fully out in all of those countries, continue to be seen as the leader in innovation in all the parts that we're in, whether it's in dermatological skincare, therapeutic, uh, dermatology or injectable aesthetics that people really say, wow, they continue to come out with really innovative. And one thing we haven't really spoken a lot about is for us, it's not just about the product. It's also about the service we provide. We do an enormous amount of training. We want to make sure that our products also come with great training, that they're used in the best possible way, in the safest way, so it's safe for the consumers and patients that we serve through the practitioners. So there's a lot of things with our unique integrated strategy that I still want to work on. But A, B, and C is we need to continue to be innovative, bring out differentiated product, be seen by the customers as having great service, but also innovative service like what you've seen by, with face, by Galderma. Well, Dr. Ornskov, thank you so much for your time today. I can't wait to see what comes out in the pipeline. I'm excited for you, for Galderma. And I know that there's just going to be continued innovation. Um, so thank you again. Well, thank you so much. And thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Derm Club podcast. If you found the discussion today to be valuable, please subscribe and share. I look forward to seeing you in the next episode as we continue to delve into dermatology and skincare with the world experts.